Hello, Team Builder. Thank you so much for joining us today on Ask Michelle and Chris. We're here to answer your questions about team building so we can learn and grow together. I'm your host, Chris Cabert, of Fun Doing and On Team Building. I'm joined by my co-host, Michelle Cummings of Training Wheels. Let's go find out what we can answer for you today. Hi, Michelle. Uh, good to see you. We're Zooming again today. Our schedules are, are getting a little full of things to do now that we're transitioning into another kind of new normal. But you're, you're still doing some online things. Yeah, doing live, um, actually. Yeah, cool. And how are you doing today? Yeah, doing good. It's really busy at the Training Wheels headquarters. We've got lots of orders going out the door, and uh, but still doing a lot of good virtual facilitation at the same time. So it's it's busy around here. Good, good, excellent. Well, we're we're going to continue with our uh, part about what's been working for team builders online, mm-hmm. and we had a nice conversation with John. Uh, last week. So this week, you and I are going to share our experience in this part two about what's worked for us in in a sense of team building. What are we focusing on when we start programming online? What are we looking at? And I know uh, you've got some great ideas. You just shared those recently on on your newsletter. So how about in, in this format, let's share what what you've been finding that's working for you online. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, dare I say I've actually turned a complete 180 from uh, February even to where I was like, no, I don't like doing any of this online stuff to where now I'm like, you know what? No, I actually kind of am really enjoying the online space. And uh, if you would have told me in January that that would be in the statement that came out of my mouth, I would have said, you are so full of it. There is no way I would embrace and then come around to enjoying the virtual facilitation. But stranger things have happened. And uh, here we are. We're now in the space and I'm actually really enjoying it. A few weeks ago, I, I wrote a newsletter article on five tips for delivering virtual programming. And so we thought we'd, we'd share those five tips here in this in the podcast format as well. And then also Chris will add his some of his favorite things and, and whatnot along the way as well. So today I'm going to, I personally use the Zoom platform. That is the platform that I have used for most of my recordings and my sessions that I have been leading for facilitators all over the world. So that is one platform that I'm going to be referencing today. There are other platforms out there that work really well, but some of the features that I'm going to talk about today are definitely more of the Zoom platform features. The first one that I utilize all the time is just utilizing the chat box that, you know, and when you ask a question, you know, encourage people to type the answer in the chat box and not necessarily just, you know, and when I'm programming, I ask questions when I'm in person, I ask questions of people all the time and I would expect a response, right? So the chat box feature makes it nice because even in a virtual format, you can still get some of the same feedback that you would have had if you were in person by using the chat box. Now, it does take a little bit of effort to make sure you're looking at the chat box and referencing that and whatnot. Another thing, you know, use the raised hand feature, whether it's the reaction button in Zoom or just have people raise their hand while you're talking. Because you can see it. If you've got your screen set to gallery view, then you can see people raising their hands. And that that was something that John mentioned last week about, you know, constantly getting 
your the watchers, the participants to interact in some way. Even just like you said, just the reaction button, you know, raise your hand if this is you. Uh, put in the chat uh, the answer to this question. And then again, that part of talking, John, about having you and I also know that having another person keeping an eye on the chat box so that we can kind of consolidate like-minded answers, we can consolidate the questions and eventually get to those uh, to answer for people. Because if, if we're not answering their questions, then people I think are less likely to even take the time to put them in there because we don't answer them anyway, so why should I put it in there? Right, so exactly. Fo yeah, focusing on trying to pay attention to it, doing it by yourself is a little, it's a little tricky. It can um, be. It's, it, and, it's, and it might be just one of those, I've seen you do this. Hey, let me go check the chat box real quick mm -hmm. to see if there's anything we need to answer right away before we move on. And yep. I think people are pretty patient with that because watching you uh, on some of your trainings that I've been a part of, it doesn't take very long to just check real quick recently in the last couple of minutes what happened, yep. just so people know you're going to do that. And that's a good tactic. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, what I find is this helps keep your participants engaged. It also gives you some instant feedback, you know, or maybe, you know, I really wanted to say this, but I forgot. And then you look over the chat box and someone says, well, what about this? You're like, oh, that's right. I really wanted to cover that today. So, so it gives you little reminders here and there too. I also use the chat box in the first few minutes of any meeting when you're waiting on people to arrive, just to ask them to type where they are viewing from today. Um, or you could use some of those interactive polls, you know, whether it be from a service like Poll Everywhere or Mentimeter, or if you pre-do some of the Zoom polls that they have is that fe feature as well. But that's why I always wait at least the first five minutes or so after you're officially supposed to start because people are late and they're, you know, making sure that they are getting connected and whatnot. So, so letting those people that do arrive on time or even a few minutes early something to do so it's not just like that awkward, you know, it's like an icebreaker. It's not like right. that awkward and just show up to a program and stare at people and go, uh, no. Right. <laughs> and, and something you talk, taught me about the chat that was very important for me to understand, people only see the chat from when they arrive, correct? That's correct. What, what I had planned in one of my, I did a couple of pilots that you were a part of and I put a question when I first arrived, I put a question, hey, go, when you, when you arrive, come and go check out that question. Well, you taught me right away, they don't see that. No, you um, put that there for yourself. <laughs> yeah, there would have to be, so then the change was for me was a screen share mm -hmm. and have the puzzle or whatever it is they're working on in the screen share so as soon as they arrive, then they can comment in the chat not have to go back for something. So that was something I learned from you. That was work that now works for me really well. Yeah, good. So that's the first tip is just use the chat box or, you know, in whatever platform you're using, use some sort of messaging feature to where people can be interactive and engaged throughout the training. Don't just use it at the very beginning. Use it throughout as well with the raised hand, with the chat box, throw something in the chat box. What's the response to this? Um, I use it a lot and I find it really helps keep people engaged. So the second one I have gotten routinely um, more practice at or, or doing more often is, is calling people by name. And I have watched people's facial expressions when you call out someone by name. 
their face lights up. They always smile. They're like, oh, you know, and, you know, and it's one of those, you know, there's nothing more personal to somebody than their name, right? Like that is what you're known by. And so for you to acknowledge somebody by name, especially in this virtual format, when people are somewhat feeling disconnected anyway, to call people by name can be such an amazing thing. And it also lets everybody else whose name you didn't call know, oh, she's going to be calling on me. And so I need to stay engaged and focused because what if she asks a question and then <laughs> she calls me and asks me to, to answer. So, so that I find is uh, just a great way, again, to keep people engaged, but then also just to acknowledge, yes, I see you. I see your name. Uh, and thank you for being here and part of this process. Now, so, how do you, how do you manage, I, if it's my understanding that you can get in gallery view mm-hmm. on a screen, if your, if your computer screen is large enough as well, you can get 25 people in a gallery. Correct. Yep. How do you, and I know you've had a lot more than 25 people in, in the things that I've participated in. How do you manage the multiple gallery, when you want to call somebody by name, how do you manage that multiple gallery view when there's a lot? Yeah, I, you know, because I do pull into about gallery that 25 and then I'll pick someone from that screen and then I just, I tab over into multiple screens just so that way I'm seeing lots of people. And then you can also gauge how many people have their cameras off versus on and you know and then I know that the camera on versus off also can affect the connectivity and whether or not if you're playing video or different things like that so just make sure that you're aware of that how big your audience is um, and if everybody has on, it will affect the speed and and it can be a little glitchy for some people so so manage the size so I would say if you had a lot of people more than 100 people on a call then then um, then maybe, you know, having everyone with their videos on might not be the best choice. But if it's a smaller group that you're managing, then um, definitely calling people by name uh, is, is best practice, I think. Yeah, just doing your best, I would imagine. You know, mm-hmm. just scrolling through. I, I, and some of the things I've done, I notice people who don't have their video on usually end up at kind of the end and the, right. the final screens. Is that common? Mm-hmm. It is very common. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that must be a zoom feature that I just don't know. I don't know the algorithm algorithms and how they do all that, but but I have noticed that same thing. Yeah. So, so name, we we like names. So names are good. Awesome. Yep. So third tip is get them moving. We mentioned this last week when John Losey was on with us as well, but that is something that I have found even for myself as a facilitator that it keeps, it re-energizes and re-engages my brain as well while I'm facilitating, but get them moving. You know, I love the version of have you ever to get people standing up and, and sitting down on based on whether or not things apply to them or not. I've got in the show notes below of different keynotes or different ways that can be really helpful. Also, I have done the Simon Says activity that we learned from Scott Gerst on multiple occasions on keynotes and different things like that in a virtual space. And they have gone over so well. So, so those are a few sample activities that you can uh, look through. But figure out ways to get people moving, whether just stand up, sit down, uh, different things like that, because it can help them reengage their brains as well and help them stay engaged. I'll see if I can find this. Someone sent me a a version of Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Yes. 
um, where you could do it by yourself. You put pennies, you start with pennies in one hand, and then every time you hear right and left, you transfer a penny from left or right. So you're actually the, a virtual version. So I will make sure I get that posted somewhere and link that to the chat. Because that's another one. Just You're just moving, just listening, and um, doing something that at least gets your body physically engaged in some way. All right, my fourth tip is utilize the breakout rooms. Now, this is one of my favorite features on Zoom and why I prefer this platform is that you can send people into either pre-assigned or random breakout rooms to have smaller conversations. And I'm sure other platforms will eventually add this feature too, or at least I hope they do, and maybe some of them already have, and I just don't know about it. But small breakout rooms are so valuable for allowing participants their opportunity to discuss or debrief whatever their experiences are with the content that you're teaching. You could also use them for part of your movement stuff. So if you want to use like creative gallery photos and other ways to let participants have some fun, then, you know, I utilize them in my scavenger hunt, my virtual scavenger hunts all the time to where I have them, you know, when I did the facilitator scavenger hunt, I had everybody go find an item in their house that they could use as a facilitation tool and hold it up in their gallery view to where all four of them in the breakout room could see it and then capture a picture of it and then put it, you know, in a, in their document for to show proof that they had finished up that clue. And those types of things are, A, they're just fun, but it's also, it incorporates movement. And then, you know, they're having fun in small groups as well as in the large group setting. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that I really have enjoyed is breakout rooms and discussions. Mm -hmm. To me, there's a, there's a, that's a nice space for talking to each other. One of the activities that I found successful was, it was, what's the quote cards? And the, the participants were camp campers. And this was like a noon meeting, virtual noon meeting for campers. And I was able to get these icon cards to the camp programmer, and then they sent them to the kids. There were 12, I think, just a, sh a small pack of Lily's icon cards. We'll connect you in the show notes to a, a little set of those. And then they were able to print them out and cut them up. And then during the activity, I showed a set of four of these icon cards to the participants. So we were all watching together. And I asked, I challenged them to come up with a quote to as many of these cards or images as they could in two minutes. So they could come up, they could think about it for a while, they could do just one, they could end up doing all four, but I, I filled that time with enough things to do that they wouldn't be done in two minutes. Hmm. And then from there, then I would send them to breakout rooms and then they had their cards. They had cut them out. It was really cool. And they wrote on the bottom of the cards. There's space on there. And then they would just hold their card up uh, to the screen and say, here's the, here's the image and here's the quote that I wrote about this image. And then they would share what that meant to them. So breakout rooms are such a great place to share your thoughts and feelings about things you maybe did all together and then you go into a breakout room and discuss. That way, the group, the people in your breakout rooms, you don't have to share a screen or you don't have to go 
outside of your breakout room to do anything. That way, no one has to be responsible at that moment. If they're still learning about the platform, they don't know how to do that yet, still gets them into discussions. But your main room is where you did the activity, mm-hmm. and the breakout room is where you had that discussion. Yeah. yeah that was how I, that's how I've been using breakout rooms. Love it. Well, and then my fifth tip that also kind of coincides with the breakout room tip is let them debrief. You know, and so for me, of course, being the queen of debriefing, I love letting them have those small group conversations to make sure that we're not forgetting good reflection and good debriefing, even in the virtual space. So create a custom slide with good debriefing questions for participants to discuss in the breakout room. Now, one thing I like to do is I make a JPEG of the slide and then I add it to my website so I can put an actual link to the graphic in the chat box and then have people snag that link first, click on it first, so it'll open in their internet browser to where they'll be able to still see that graphic when they go into the breakout room. And then when you send them into breakout rooms, give them instructions for at least one person to link to that graphic and then share their screen so everyone can see it. And so I gave an example of a slide that I use often with groups in my newsletter that we'll make sure that we link to it in the show notes. So if you're curious, you can go see that. And then if you click on the photo in the actual newsletter, it actually takes you to the website view as well. So that way you have an example. That, that's great. You, being Getting them to talk about their experience mm-hmm. is definitely, as we know, as team builders is important. And, and you've done some cool things with, with you know, rolling dice and uh, being able to provide those questions. So even having, you know, a supply list before they come to the meeting. Hey, somebody's got to, you know, grab a dice, grab some playing cards, grab some things, bring it with you, pencil and paper. And that way, if you give them a question, give them a a link to where they can get the questions, then they can self-review or self-process together as a small group. Uh, Google Slides uh, with my Circle Puzzles training we have options to put in slides. And one of the things I learned that's wor- that worked out really well, great feedback, was to put everything on one slide. So when they open up one slide, there's the question there, there's things to think about, and then there's space for a text box where someone is typing in some responses for the group, or if everybody knows how to get to the slide, then they all can type in themselves. So that's a, a Google slide feature but to keep it in one place is, is going to be important. And one person may be just opening up a Word doc and, mm-hmm. and sharing um, their skills at typing where people will give them responses, they'll type it up, and then there's a spokesperson when you come back together and you're sharing yeah. out some information. Yeah, always have an opportunity to, to share what that experience has been like for everybody. Yeah, good. Now, Chris, one thing I learned from you that I really enjoyed in one of your first sessions that you led was where you did the activity, the number game. Now, that one there was fun for me because I felt like it was it was finally an activity that I felt that everybody could be doing at the exact same time, but you're kind of competing at yourself, but you didn't necessarily send people into breakout rooms. You could do this large group, I mean, even up to a thousand people at one time doing this activity at the same time in the main session room. So do you mind sharing that activity with our listeners? That, yeah, that one was 
my my thinking around it's like John said last week, keep it simple. And I wanted to find out and experiment with ways we use the main room and all play together. And the number game is finding numbers in sequence, kind of like key punch, if you understand key punch. And I would share my screen of the grid of one to 60 numbers, and they're all mixed up. And you actually, with your finger, you had to kind of point at the screen where the number was, and you had to get as far as you could in one minute. It was easy to share. And then each person after a minute, then I covered the numbers, and I switched the screen to uh, some kind of font that said, okay, number game, ready to go. And then the people after the, each round of one minute, they would write down their number. So we could play. I could interject some processing questions. Hey, did you get a little nervous? Did you get frustrated? Think about it. This next time when we try, try to breathe, you know, breathe it in. All the numbers are there, I promise. So you, you're kind of coaching as you go and helping them understand that learning takes some time and sometimes we get stuck. And here's what happens when we get stuck. Here's why. So it's not about, we didn't have to debrief necessarily during we're all having the same experience. And then at the end, uh, I don't think we even, it was a small enough group, I think, where we could share out at, in the main room uh, some processing question answers about, you know, did you improve? What happened when you improved? How did it feel? What happened when you didn't in, improve? So then we can share in the chat how people were feeling. We could share in the chat, does anybody have any strategies? Put them in the chat. If you want some strategies, go look in the chat. Okay. If you want to do it by yourself, then don't look at the chat. You know, see if you can figure out a way to be more successful and find out ways that will help you to be better, help yeah. you to get a higher number. So those are the ways that I was thinking about using the main room where we all participate in the same thing. Yeah. And I think for those facilitators that are listening that maybe, oh my gosh, the breakout rooms and all this stuff, maybe if that is overwhelming for you, if you don't have that, or maybe you're not using the Zoom platform, the number game, I think would be a great activity that you could do on no, on any platform that you wouldn't necessarily have to have breakout rooms and things like that. And we'll link to all the resources where you can get those PDFs and a description of how it works. And I, I believe there is even a, a video yeah, the, the video we did with Zooming In with John producing that with Solomon Masala, uh, I, I have a link that I can get you to the video to that too. So that way you can use that. It's, it's one nice activity that, that can go for a good 30, 45 minutes yeah. uh, of an experience. Yeah. Cool. Well, that, okay. yeah, definitely. We're, we're, as, as always, you know, we have so much to share and, and not as much time to share it in this format. Um, but we're going to, hopefully give you more. We're going to add to this series of, you know, what's working online uh, for team builders. Any last thoughts, Michelle? I hope these tips have been helpful. I know for me and my virtual facilitation, these five things have really helped me be successful. And the feedback that I've gotten from clients is that my sessions have been really enjoyable for them because of these particular things that I do to make the meeting more engaging. Thanks so much for listening. If you have additional answers or comments about this question, please send them our way. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, we would love to hear it. 
can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes at onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. That's onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. You can find me and sign up for my newsletter at training-wheels.com. You can sign up for my Fun Doing Fridays activity email and find me at onteambuilding.com. We hope you join us next week for Ask Michelle and Chris About Team Building.